Please turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew in chapter 25. We continue to look at a few parables in preparation for a sermon series on the book of Judges, which will start in a couple of weeks. We look today at a passage uh, that has a wedding as its theme, uh, but Jesus teaching us a very important lesson about being ready, being ready to meet the Lord. Let's give attention to God's word. I'll read verses 1 to 13 of Matthew chapter 25. This is God's word. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. May God bless his word to us as we consider it together this morning. Well, on April 15th in 1941, 150 German bombers took off from northern France and uh, the Netherlands and flew uh, the first bombing raid over uh, the city of Belfast. And uh, Philip was uh, reminding me a little bit of, uh, of this history, uh, which is often forgotten because when we think of the German uh, air blitz that happened uh, in the early stages of the war, we think about London, we think about England, and there were great damages there, but the greatest single night of death and destruction outside of London happened in Belfast in 1941, and when there were nearly a thousand people uh, killed, and they think maybe over a hundred thousand people made homeless, tremendous destruction. And r- part of the reason why the destruction was so great is because the city of Belfast was completely unprepared for this. They had assumed that it was too far away for the Germans. In fact, there weren't even any RAF uh, fighters scrambled to fight off the bombers. There wasn't appropriate blackout. They didn't have uh, bomb shelters. So people, in the end, as buildings were collapsing all around, were just some people running, trying to get out into the open. And, And, of course, that was not working well either. And it it is a really critical lesson in how uh, failure to prepare uh, can lead to great failures. Uh, The time to say, oh, we should have more bomb shelters is not when the bombs are actually falling. You have to have made preparation ahead of time. And this is true for a lot of things in our lives. When we fail to prepare, we often fail at what we are doing. 
And while this is certainly an important concept in terms of our lives in this world, it's, it's even more important in terms of our spiritual lives and our preparing to face eternity. We know, there's absolutely no mystery, we know that each one of us is going to have to stand before God and give an account for our lives. So we know that this is coming. And yet how often we do not prepare as we should. And Jesus tells this parable using a very familiar setting to those people to encourage his followers to be prepared, to be prepared to meet the Lord Jesus. And so as we look at the passage, the message is very simple. The message is now, now is the time to prepare to meet Jesus. So you and I are called, therefore, to get ready. Jesus is calling us to get ready. And children, if you're going to draw a picture here, you might draw a picture of these bridesmaids that we heard described with their lanterns. And uh, let's listen uh, for what we learn from their example. Well, there is an outline in the bulletin. If you'd like to follow along, you'll see there the first thing that I want us to notice is that it is possible to be interested in Jesus and yet unprepared to meet him. We see this in verses 1 to 4 of our text. This parable actually falls near the end of a long section. It's sometimes called the Olivet Discourse. Because if you turn back to chapter 24, you see that the disciples are coming out of the temple. And uh, it says there that they point out these great buildings. And then Jesus says to them in verse 2 of chapter 24, Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then in verse 3, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, so they went out of the city, they're sitting on the Mount of Olives, looking back at the temple and the city. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And so then Jesus begins to teach about the second coming and the end of the age. And he uses a number of parables in the context of doing this through the rest of chapter 24 and through all of chapter 25. So when we come to the beginning of chapter 5 and this parable, it's set in that context. The context is the return of Jesus. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, uh, these people hearing this would have understood exactly what was going on in, in the situation. Uh, we had a couple get married in the church a number of years back, and they, they asked another guy in the church who was uh, a photography student to do their wedding pictures. Uh, only catch was, not only had he never photographed a wedding before, this young man had never attended a wedding before. He didn't even know what was supposed to happen at the wedding. So that makes it very challenging. Now, I realize a few of the kids claim to have not been to a wedding. One of them, I know, was at a wedding, obviously very young. But this is very unusual in our culture to, have, to, you know, to be a young man and never have gone to a wedding. In their culture, this would have been unthinkable because weddings were central uh, activities of the community in which the people were gathered together, and they would have been a key aspect of community life in these villages. And so when Jesus starts talking about the wedding, he's talking about something that would really uh, connect with his hearers. And so he's talking here about these ten virgins. These are young, 
uh, unmarried women, uh, some translations might call them maidens, who are in, in essence functioning as bridesmaids in this scene. And we talked about bridesmaids earlier in the service, children. And so, and as we, as we think about how this would have worked, this again is unfamiliar to us, not unfamiliar to Jesus' audience. So the wedding party, many of the family and relatives would gather at the house of the groom. And then uh, the groom would take some of his friends and there would be a processional to the bride's house where the bride is preparing. And then, um, and then uh, the bride joins the groom and this group processes and would take the most circuitous route through the village while everyone else would be cheering them on and celebrating in essence with them and would make their way ultimately back to the groom's house where they would go in to celebrate. The party uh, could last days. And so these women, as they're a part of this process, what we don't know for sure as we read this is, are these women with the bride waiting for the groom to come and then join the procession, in which case their lamps play an important role in guiding them through the streets of town at night so that they get their way back to the groom's house? Or are these uh, bridesmaids waiting at the groom's house for the procession to come, in which case uh, their lamps are a part of joining this group as they then come into the house? It's impossible for us to determine exactly where these, these uh, maidens fall in that process, but it's one of those two things. And I think that tells us all we need to know. Uh, they're a part of the wedding party. Uh, they have a role to play. They need their lamps uh, as a part of this role that they're going to play. So understand, these 10 women have a privileged position. They've all been invited to participate, and they've all accepted the invitation. But the the point about the unwise virgins is that they were not uh, able to fulfill their commitments. Uh, Verses two to four, five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They weren't prepared to fulfill their responsibilities. And and while historically there's been a great temptation to make this parable into an allegory where like every little thing in the parable translates to supposed to mean something. Um, we have to resist that urge. Uh, you know, the lamps, uh, have, some have said those are their good works. And then the oil in the lamps is the Holy Spirit. And, and it, it goes on and on from there to become almost uh, impossible to make sense of. If we step back and look at the big picture, we see people invited to participate, people who have an interest in this process, and yet they're not prepared to fulfill their responsibilities in the process. They are not ready to do what they are supposed to do. I don't know about you, but if, um, if I'm having trouble sleeping, and sometimes ha- have dreams that are you know, causing me anxiety, Often, it's a dream that involves being unprepared, uh, coming to preach in a strange pulpit and not having my Bible or not having the sermon or not not realizing I was supposed to be preaching. And so I'm completely unprepared. Now, obviously, for you, this this dream would take different forms. But my guess is this is an anxiety producer in all of us 
to be caught out unawares, not ready. And, and this is what Jesus is trying to warn us about. He's telling this parable to his followers. Right? These are all people invited. These are people who came to the wedding to be a part of it. They had an interest in the bride and the groom to be there, and yet they were not ready. And Jesus is telling you by this parable, it's possible for you to be here in the church, for you to consider yourself a Christian, uh, for you to have been baptized, uh, for you to even read the Bible. It's possible for you to have an interest in Jesus and yet not be ready to meet Jesus when the day comes when you will meet Jesus. The Lord tells us in Matthew 7, verses 21 and following, uh, and this is in your outline, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Some of the most chilling words in the Bible from our Lord telling us that it's possible to have an interest in Jesus and the things of God, but to be unprepared to meet him, to not truly know him and to be ready for him. So it's possible to be interested and yet unprepared. Secondly, as we continue working through the passage, the state of your preparedness will be revealed clearly. And we see this in verses 5 to 9. Uh, Verse 5 tells us that the groom is delayed in coming back. And so whether this processional, uh, either going to the bride's house or coming from the bride's house, is taking longer. Of course, in all the celebration, this is not uncommon. The bridesmaids are all tuckered out. Uh, Anyone who's been a bridesmaid knows, and bridesmaid knows that being a bridesmaid is hard work. Um, the, The first wedding I ever did, the maid of honor fainted in the, in the middle of the service and uh, because she'd been up all day not eating, taking pictures, doing all the kinds of things that uh, maids of honor do. And so, um, so we know this is hard work. And, and I would submit to you that since both the foolish and the wise maidens sleep at this point, uh, that this isn't meant to be a criticism necessarily. They're, they're busy, they're working, uh, and now it's going into the late hours. They're still waiting. But finally, verse 6 tells us at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Uh, this is interesting, again, just commenting on the cultural differences, but w- the big moment in a, in a wedding in our culture is when the bride shows up And everybody stands up. Here, uh, it seems like the big moment is when the bride shows up. I'm not arguing that we change our culture, just just observing here that it's different. So the bridegroom's arrival signals that the celebration is about to begin. And so realize up to this point, there's really no difference between the wise and the foolish virgin. They've both helped with the preparations. They both have lamps. Um, It's only when the groom arrives that now uh, something is revealed about these two groups. And, uh, and what's revealed is that one group is prepared and one is not. Verse 7, all the virgins arose, they trimmed their lamps, 
right? Make sure that they're ready to burn bright so that they can light the processional. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. They realized they didn't bring extra oil, uh, probably kind of a cloth soaked in uh, some type of oil that's burned and that oil isn't going to last forever. So you have a, a flask that you bring along with the extra oil and they've run out. Uh, verse 9, the wise answered and said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. Now I know some of you are listening and you're thinking, that, that's not very nice. Those wise uh, virgins should have shared. Um, again, not the point, not the point of the parable. This is not a parable about sharing. Uh, it's about being prepared. And, and the point would be perhaps that if they did share, now uh, everyone's oil would burn out, and as they're in this, supposed to be lighting this processional, nobody's going to have light. So uh, their decision not to share, believe me, it's okay in this context. And they encourage the others, though. They say, well, you go buy some. You go get some. Well, in the middle of the night, I don't know what that would have meant, knocking on the door, trying to wake up the shopkeeper. Uh, apparently it takes them some time uh, to find uh, the oil uh, that they're looking for. Uh, one thing's for sure though, they're in a crisis situation and they're not prepared for it. And uh, I think this is a part of what the parable is telling us, is that for each one of us, right, there's going to come the moment in which what's there is revealed. Okay? And, and, and then it's too late to make accommodation for it. Now, whether that happens when the Lord Jesus returns, which is what this is about, or when we die and go to meet the Lord Jesus, it will happen for each one of us. There will be that moment of truth when we will see if we are ready or not. And James Boyce, speaking about this in his commentary, says something interesting. He said, I believe you can preview the results of the final judgment by the way you react to crises now. And that's interesting. He goes on to say that we all hear, behold, the bridegroom comes at different points in our lives when some crisis comes into our lives. And, and you might learn a little bit about the state of your preparedness by looking at how you respond to these many crises that happen in your lives. If they seem to throw you completely uh, into, a, into a turmoil and a tailspin, you might start to question, am I prepared for the final ultimate crisis when I am not, do not seem to be trusting and finding strength in the Lord and in his work? And, and this quotation from James Boyce is, is especially appropriate given that sometime after he wrote this, he was diagnosed with cancer, of uh, stage four pancreatic cancer, and he went before his congregation and told them that he was sad to be going, but he was absolutely trusting in the Lord and walking with the Lord in that way. So uh, this reminds you and me that the state of our preparedness will be revealed uh, clearly and that uh, we need God's grace to be ready for that. Well, thirdly then, we see in the parable that lack of preparedness will be fatal. We see this in verses 10 to 12. 
It tells us in verse 10, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, they went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. So whether they processed with him or they went right in, they had their lamps, they were ready. They went in to be a part of the celebration. But notice that the door was shut. It was shut. And probably uh, the idea here would be uh, if you hadn't participated in the, the uh, procession, if you hadn't been there with your light, you really weren't invited. At this point, you're just a, a party crasher uh, showing up after all this to, to, to try to go in and be a part of the, of the feast. But you, you shouldn't be there. And so the doors shut. Uh, verse 11, they cry out, Lord, open to us, open to us. And what does he say in verse 12? Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Now, now, obviously, it's not that he's looking through the door. I don't recognize these people. He's, he's saying, in essence, you're not friends of mine. You, you are manifestly not friends of mine if you have not been here prepared to celebrate with us. They had invitations. They, they had an interest. They, they showed up, but they were unprepared and now they're shut up, out, and they cannot participate in the celebration at all. I know some of you children have had experiences where you, you couldn't uh, do something that you wanted to, or maybe you weren't invited uh, for a, a party or something that some of your classmates went to, and that, that makes us feel very bad uh, when we are shut out. Imagine how horrifying this would have been. Early in our a married life, Amy and I had a friend who was uh, getting married in Georgia, and um, uh, this was in the summer, and uh, when it came time, uh, we just, for a number of reasons, felt like we couldn't make that trip, and uh, we didn't uh, make the trip, and I've often thought about the fact that we really lost touch uh, with, with that friend and uh, have not had any interaction with him for ages, um, that decision uh, not to uh, go uh, sort of killed the friendship. And um, we may read this and feel like, well, the groom's just being unreasonable here. Um, but, I, but I think the, the point is, uh, if you really loved the groom, you would have been ready you would have been ready, and they weren't ready. They, they didn't really give it much thought at all, and that's the point Jesus is making. Matthew Henry, speaking about this, says, as Christians, we profess not only to believe and look for, but to love and long for the, the appearing of Christ and to act in our whole conversation, that is, our whole life, with a regard to it. And this is what Jesus is reminding us. We, we have a purpose, people in the church, to love and to serve and to honor our Lord with our lives. And uh, the point is, if you're not in a relationship with the Lord, if you're not uh, growing in love for the Lord, you're not prepared to meet the Lord. And this tells us in no uncertain um, terms that if we're not ready, we're going to be shut out. We're going to be shut out, and we can bang on the door all we want, but it's too late. It's too late. 
So lack of preparedness is fatal. But we also see in the text, fourthly, that the reward for being prepared is great. Looking again at verse 10, let's not lose sight of the fact that, yes, there were five unprepared uh, virgins, but there were five who were prepared. And and those who were ready, they are ushered in uh, to the celebration, this celebration that would have involved feasting and dancing and fellowship and joy with the family and friends of the bride and groom that would have gone on for days. This is a picture of what it is like to meet Jesus when Jesus returns, uh, when we go to meet Jesus if we die before he returns. Uh, Quoting from Kenneth Bailey on this, and these again, these are in your outline. Jesus is the returning bridegroom who will arrive joyfully at the end of the age, extend a warm welcome to all the guests who have patiently remained in waiting for his coming and are duly prepared for his arrival. I, th- I think of the two, uh, two of the greatest days uh, in my life were when my oldest two kids were married. And um, two very different, very different kids, very different uh, celebrations. Um, but those two parties celebrating with many of you and uh, many of their friends uh, were some of the greatest moments of my life. That's the kind of joy that Jesus is describing here. Only something far greater, far greater than that. Being with all the people of God, the redeemed people of God, in the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who knows you perfectly, knows all your sins, knows all your weaknesses, and yet loves you perfectly and gave himself for you. And this is a picture of fellowship and joy with the Lord that will go on forever. This Jesus, our bridegroom, who gives us life. I put in your outline there, John 5, verse 25, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And Jesus there speaking not about his second coming, but what is happening now. When, when people hear the voice of the Son of God, they come to life as we are renewed in the Spirit. This describes those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they have this hope of Revelation 19.9. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Anyone, if you're here today, anyone, no matter what you have done in your past, if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he promises to give you eternal life, to forgive your sins, and to welcome you into this eternal celebration that's described here. So the reward for being prepared is great. And finally, fifthly, the time to prepare then is now. The time to prepare is now. He says in verse 13, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. If you don't know when it's going to happen, you have to prepare now. Notice again, once the bridegroom comes, it's too late to prepare. 
You have to prepare before. And you can't ride on somebody else's coattails. Notice that the oil cannot be shared. Children, you cannot say to the Lord, well, my mom and dad trusted you. They loved you. That's not going to do it. Each one of you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You must know him as your Lord and your Savior. I know we, we have a few golfers in our congregation. And in golf, they talk about mulligans, right? I'll, we'll give you a mulligan. That's a do-over. And one of our presidents was very famous for uh, doing lots and lots of mulligans as he played golf. But this is not a thing we get a mulligan for. The Bible does not teach that you can wait then when Jesus comes again, or when you meet Jesus, then you have a chance to think it over again and change your mind. That's not what the Bible teaches. There are no do-overs, and so we have to prepare now. In fact, every day that you delay putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you actually are hardening yourself against ever coming to faith and trust in Jesus. Hebrews 3 verses 7 and following. Therefore as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me and saw my works for 40 years. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. The people of the Old Testament Israel for 40 years God was reaching out his hands to them and they hardened themselves. Don't be like that. 2 Corinthians 6.1 We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time I have heard you and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Or as Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And this is a call that goes out to every one of you. No matter how old you are or how young you are, today is the day to seek the Lord. Because when the Lord comes or when you leave this world, it's too late. It's too late. And so what is our hope? What is our hope? Our hope is that the Lord Jesus Christ, that great bridegroom, comes for us and actually fills our lamps with his oil. How are you going to put your faith and hope in Jesus? It's because Jesus himself gives his spirit to his people that we might love and trust him. You can't even fill your own lamp, as it were. But Jesus can and does. Jesus is that perfect servant of God, that perfect bridegroom who takes his people and brings them into his family. Every day, you and I get one day closer to that moment of truth. Some of us are closer than others. We do not know when that will be. But what this uh, parable reminds you is to put your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he promises you will be ready 
when he comes. And that day when you meet him will be the greatest day of your life. The greatest day of your life. Now is the time to prepare. Now is the time. If you haven't put your faith in Christ, trust him, cry out to him. But if you have, the way you prepare, the way you continue to prepare for this day is to continue to stir up your love for Jesus Christ. This is why we need to worship every week. We need to read our word. We need to be reminded who he is and how wonderful he is and what he's done for us and that he's going to bring us into his family. And as you remind yourself who Jesus is, your love for him is increased and you're prepared more and more for that great day whenever it comes. Now is the time to prepare to meet Jesus. Let us in his strength get ready. So let's pray and we'll ask him to help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this parable which uses uh, images which would have been very familiar to uh, Jesus' listeners that paint a picture of, of, of village life, of community, of celebration, and which teach such a profound truth, Lord, such a, a humbling truth, that it's possible to be very close to the bride and the groom, and yet to be kept out forever. Lord, we pray earnestly that this would not be the fate of any person here with us this morning, that there would not be a single one of us who on that day when they say that the groom is here would find the door shut and, and us on the outside. Lord, you have told us how to prepare for this day by putting our faith and our trust and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, by having the Lord fill us with his spirit and his grace, by growing in love for him so that we look forward eagerly to meeting him, recognizing that when we finally come face to face with our Lord, it will be the greatest day of our life. We pray, Father, that you would so work in our lives that if we have not come to faith, that we would trust the Savior. And if we are trusting in him, Lord, that we would be endeavoring every day to grow in our love for Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that you would be pleased to work among us, to help us to get ready now for what will inevitably happen for each one of us when we meet the Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen.